Hi everyone, I'm TJ and this is my podcast about hardcore punk. Today I will talk less about the music and more about the business side of things. But before I do so, let's take a quick listen to the song Cashing In by Minor Threat. The song is clearly sarcastic and resembles the critical attitude towards the mainstream music industry. The resistance to music industry seems to be a dominant way in which the majority of hardcore punks do business up to this date. The strong DIY, do-it-yourself, ethics and this sort of self-regulatory way of putting up shows, touring, producing and selling records is what makes this genre authentic and interesting to analyze. For most of the hardcore punk bands, making music is not about going big or getting famous. These bands care less about the money and more about being heard and delivering their music and sharing experience with the audience at a given venue. In his analysis of American hardcore punk, Brad Harrison writes that in the process of touring, hardcore bands challenged the corporate structure of mainstream music by creating their own system that was more about willingness to participate rather than the possibility of earning money from what they did. Most of the hardcore punk people consider themselves the outsiders and people on the margins of society, and the position of the genre in the music industry seems to be no different. In his book about DIY independent punk record labels, Alan O'Connor argues that the music industry and major labels in particular had no interest in hardcore punk because punks are nightmare to deal with, the aggressive and fast sound of the music is literally unmarketable and the communication within the genre goes mainly through DIY self-made fanzines and radios and not through mainstream media channels. It is worth mentioning that Maximum Rock and Roll was maybe the most influential DIY hardcore punk zine ever based in San Francisco, California. The hostile attitude to mainstream combined with the sound of the music itself made hardcore punk very anti-commercial and barely marketable from the very beginning. So the usual practice within the genre was, and in most cases remains, DIY recording and establishing small independent record labels, frequently operating from a musician's house, not having an office at first, living a low-cost life while having multiple jobs. Whoever ran a DIY punk or hardcore punk record label was and is definitely a person who did it for the love of the music. Usually a member of a band themselves with lots of friends and established network of other bands and supporters in the scene. 
In her book, Punk Productions Unfinished Business, Stacey Thompson writes that because of the low economic costs of entering the punk field, this was a great opportunity to take an active role in producing the history of the genre, either as a label owner or performer or both. One of the first such DIY record labels was SST Records from Los Angeles, run by band members of Black Flag. Boy. Maybe the best example of a DIY label resisting commercialization is the now 40-year-old Discord Records from Washington, D.C. It was started by the iconic figure of straight-edge and positive hardcore punk Ian Mackay, a member of Fugazi, Minor Threat, and other notable bands. Ian Mackay gave an interview in The Guardian in November this year, saying that the label does not sell merch, only music, and at low prices as well. Contracts and lawyers have never been used, and he never had a band leave on bad terms. Only two bands signed with major labels. Discord Records operates in a strictly egalitarian manner and has a small team of employees who receive a living wage and health benefits. There's no place like home. Another significant institution in the world of hardcore punk is the record store. The independent record stores always played an important role in the scene, since they serve as the points of gathering. I had the privilege to talk about this with David Strempel, the co-owner of Cortex Records. He has been a part of the local West Berlin punk scene since the early 80s, playing drums in local bands Felgebot and Charlie's War, touring with numerous straight-edge and hardcore punk bands, and has been constantly and consistently fascinated by the creativity and spirit of the genre throughout the years. The schöne an dieser Szene von Punk und Hardcore und Underground ist ja, du kannst ganz normal einfach diese Leute treffen. The nice thing about the hardcore and punk scene is you can just meet the people at Cortex. The singer or the drummer will be there before or after the show. We don't need to organize a complicated meet and greet for that. It's really great for the fans and musicians when they all meet by chance at Cortex or at Frankenbar and then one of them says, I'm not from here, I just came for the Knocked Loose concert. Where can I get some vegetarian food? And then you meet someone else in the store who says, hey, I want to eat too. Let's go together. That's how people connect and maybe they'll sell friends for life. I met most of my best friends at concerts. David was the store's regular customer before he entered the Cortex business in 1996. Back then, Cortex operated as a fusion between two local record stores, MAD Tour Booking and a DAY label Bad Dog Records, the label burned a lot of money, so the owners decided to drop it and focus more on expanding the Cortex brand and merchandise. It was, and remains, a business run by scene people for scene people. Also da verbindet uns mehr eine Freundschaft, als dass wir nur miteinander den Business machen. Und weil wir aber auch halt kein Label mehr sind, umso besser, dass wir dann mit den jeweiligen neuen Partnerlabels von diesen Künstlern we are connected more by friendship than by doing business with each other. And since we are no longer a label, we work well with other labels and artists. 
Founded in 1988, Cortex is still an independent record store based in Kreuzberg, Berlin. It sells records from both local and international artists, brews its own beer, and the Cortex t-shirt with the Black Panther logo is by now a distinguished symbol within the hardcore punk community worldwide. It has been a long road and it took hard work to get there. This is sehr stolz drauf. Wir wissen halt auch alle, wie viel, wie viel Zeit und wie viel Arbeit das gebraucht hat. We are very proud of it and we all know how much time and work it took, how many nights of the week we were on tour, almost every night. I was on tour not only with my own bands, but also tour manager of some straight edge bands in the mid 90s. Strife, Snapcase, Earth Crisis. I was a drum check for Sick of It All in early days. Armand was the first drummer who showed me how to do the job. When on tour, I put Cortex stickers everywhere. All tour posters had Cortex logos on them. And I always talked to the people, traded a lot of t-shirts, gave them away and sold them. With Snapcase, I was a driver, tour manager, sold merch, and that was the beginning. For David, being a part of this scene and running Cortex is hard work that he loves doing. And that gives him a special feeling of freedom being yourself, doing what you love. We also spoke about the state of the genre now and then, and we agreed that there is little room to reinvent the hardcore punk sound. However, there are new trends and new bands like Turnstile, which drifted from the old sound and embraced the new image. David also told me how the scene grew and partly commercialized over time. Mittlerweile gibt es ja riesige Festivals. Ich meine, früher war das halt alles wirklich kleiner, familiärer. There are huge festivals nowadays. It was all really smaller, more familiar and also more autonomous in the past. Back then it was inconceivable that any hardcore punk festival was sponsored by buyer companies or let's say Monster Energy Drink. A lot has changed. Everyone has to decide for themselves if it's for the good or for the bad. It's already gone in the direction of large-scale events for many of them. In the past, there was a band and it had only one t-shirt motive, had made one record and went on tour. Nowadays, one band has 10 different t-shirt motives and it's a total overkill of merch and professionalism everywhere because people want but also have to make money with it. It's not all just bad. Ja, macht man sich ja gleichermaßen schuldig, um, die, die Ressourcen der Erde zu zerstören. Also man könnte genauso gut sagen, ja warum, ich weiß, es ist ein heikles Thema, aber Vinyl, das ist äh, Plastik, woraus wird dann Plastik hergestellt? Also man könnte sagen, jede, jede Platte, die nicht gepresst wird, wäre eigentlich besser. However, if you think about it, that you have chosen an alternative way of life, but at the same time participate in this economy of more, 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 you make yourself equally guilty of destroying resources of the earth. I know it's a delicate topic, but what is plastic made of? One could say any vinyl that is not pressed would actually be better. Speaking of the genre dealing with delicate topics, David addressed the everlasting issue of accusing hardcore punk bands of being sellouts when making deals with major labels. That seems unfair. What do you do when it's your dream? Studio bezahlen, Equipment bezahlen, Proberaummiete. Ähm, ja, da sind wir eigentlich beim Thema, was wir von hin, hin hatten. Das ist halt schwierig. Man muss sein, seinen Traum weiter vollziehen. Und der Traum von Zick auf und den beiden Brüdern war auf jeden Fall, 
Wir möchten diese Band machen. If the band has made some success, somebody will come and say, that's not punk, that's not hardcore. How? Why shouldn't they sleep comfortably? That's their job now, to be on tour. It becomes difficult then, and that's always been a problem of DIY and punk ethics. You are not supposed to make a living. But what do you do when it's your dream? You have to pay for the studio, pay for the equipment, pay for the rehearsal room rent, that's difficult. You want to pursue your dream, and the dream of Sick of It All, for example, was we want to do this band, we don't want to work from nine to five. We want to do our own thing. We want to deliver the energy on stage as long as we can stand and stay sick of it all. And look, they did it. Every single show with so much energy. You can only say respect. And it's logical that we continue to work with this and other bands. Because their destiny is also our destiny. No future versus bright future, that is the question. We live in a digital era in which the ways of consuming music changed drastically. Most kids stream their favorite tunes over their phones and some still prefer to visit the record stores. And there is a pandemic on top that completely paralyzed the live music industry. However, it's not all just bad news for the independent music after all. According to the recent study by the International Music Publishers Forum, independent music publishing makes some 27% of the global music market, which means there are way more independents out there than 40 years ago when hardcore punk came to existence. To end this story on a positive note, I will once again quote Ian Mackay's statement from The Guardian. Everything is less now in terms of sales, but music will never die. Kids are developing secret languages through music, and they're going to figure out ways to disseminate that. Whether it's on plastic or their devices, whatever form, there are ways of doing it that feels ethical, meaningful and righteous. One thing is for sure, once this horrible pandemic is over, I sure as hell look forward to see, hear and meet hardcore punk bands playing live at the local Hold Your Ground Cortex stage here in Berlin. So where am I? 